Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. We're your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. And today we're reviewing an entrepreneur.com article entitled Nine Keys to a Happy Career Making Millions by Josh, sorry, by John Rampton. Welcome, Bruce. Morning, Rachel. Uh, once again, these are one of my favorite things to do is it's just like uh, sitting around with one of your best friends talking about the world and how to solve all the world problems. So I'm having a lot of fun doing this with you. Awesome. Well, Bruce, I consider you one of my best friends. So I hope that you do as well. That's awesome. So here's the main idea of this article. So how do you have a job that's satisfying that makes you a lot of money? Now, it obviously can be solved. Now, while we look at a lot of people who are the majority of Americans, maybe who are unhappy with their careers, in a survey of US employees, 38% reported that they were very satisfied with their jobs. So obviously it can be achieved. So what's the secret? What are they doing right? And how can we model that so that we don't have to settle for being one of the 62% majority that's not happy and making a lot of money? So I think the number one thing that this article brought out was don't just follow your passion. I think that was number one in their nine keys. And Bruce, I know we have a lot to say about this. So why don't you share first your thoughts on why it's important not just to follow your passion? Well, first of all, I was really excited. This this caught my attention because I am a foodie kind of guy, and I I saw where they said an episode of Chopped All Stars. Yes, and, and inevitably, I watch it all the time. I mean, it, it's sometimes on the weekends I'll binge watch you know three, four, five episodes in a row. Um, that's awesome. I've never seen it, I oh. have to admit, and now I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, it's on the Food Network, and and basically it's it's they bring chefs in, and the chefs then are given a basket of ingredients that they don't know about in, in uh, ahead of time, and they have 30 minutes to prepare a portion of the meal, like the appetizer, the the main course, and then the dessert, and, oh, and then they give to the celebrity judges. And then they judge it. Well, inevitably, what happens is the one at the end then wins $10,000. And I not every time, but I would say every third time at least, the person says, I want to open up my own restaurant. So I'm going to okay. use this $10,000 to do this. And the the point of the article is, a lot of these chefs are really passionate about making the best food they could possibly make, except they have no idea how to run a business. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens all the time. People say, well, I want to run a business. I want to build a business on what I really like because I just, I just think my life would be so much better if I just follow my passions. Well, I'm in some networking groups that I hear this all the time. And people say, I want to get out of the corporate world. I really like to write children's books. So I really like to um, do woodworking. And I'm really passionate about that. I do that on the side and I'm going to build a business doing that. And I, and uh, I don't, I don't want what's 
going on in the corporate world anymore. And then they start it and it doesn't go as well as they thought it was going to go and they're not getting paid. And they say, well, I, I believe if I just continue to follow my passion, I'm going to be able to build this business. But they're not passionate about building a business. They're passionate mm-hmm. about what they are doing. There's two different things. Those are two different types of passions. Oh, I agree. I agree. I think what's really interesting about this is that I think for somebody who says, I want to leave the corporate world, it's because somehow there's some type of dissatisfaction that's happening there and they're not truly happy and fulfilled. And so I think what we're really seeking or the person who is leaving that job and wanting to start their own business, what they're really seeking is that fulfillment. But the fulfillment doesn't come, I don't believe, just from your passion. It comes from being good at something and having people value the thing that you're providing and making good money with that and having something that you enjoy doing. So I think there's all these different pieces that have to also be in place. And passion is something that is not at the forefront. I think it's almost something that would play uh, a secondary role, not the primary role to figuring out what it is that you can do that's going to make you a lot of money and make you truly fulfilled. Right. And then the next thing is do what you're good at. Now, the, the greatest example I can give here is there's a lot of people that are passionate about playing music, but they're not very good at it. So, so <laughs> right. if they think, or singing is another example. So if uh-huh. our um, Lance, I, I know one of my best buddies, he really likes to be outside and mow grass and landscape and things like that. But I don't think he's very good at it. So he really likes it, but he wouldn't, I would suggest him never to start a landscaping business because he doesn't pay attention to the details. He just likes being outside. So, Uh so maybe he needs something that is fulfilling that he is good at that. He's then able to have his free time outside. Right. So you need to, if you're, if you're looking at um, building something to have a happy career, yes, passion is one thing, but you also have to do something that you're good at, not just something that you like to do or passionate to do. I'm going to say something about that as well. I think that if you're good at something, it's going to give you that sense of accomplishment and pride in doing it. And I think that's a really important part of fulfillment in the long term. I mean, it's that satisfaction that you did a job well. And yet at the same time, we don't necessarily come into life with all of these skills already created. And so kind of like Carol Dweck talks about, you can either have the fixed mindset or the growth mindset. Well, if you don't already have a skill in something, you have to be willing to commit to building that skill and recognize that it's going to take some time to develop it. It's not that immediately that you decide you want to start a business, you're going to decide you want business acumen and you're going to grow it overnight. It's something that takes time and experience to develop. And you have to be willing to go through that developmental process, committing to practice and mastery, even if you're not amazing when you start. Absolutely. And that comes down to the next part. You will get that mastery if you do work that's engaging. And for most people, work that's engaging has some variety to it. There's a sense of completion. Um, You know, a lot of people that are building things with their hands, uh, you and I, when we're putting together a financial plan, a cash flow awareness for a person, 
there's a completion to that. And so it feels good about that. Uh, the, oh, absolutely. Yeah, the, and that's serving and helping someone. And it feels really good to be able to do that. And that comes down to another part, the sense of contribution that you're making to a person's life. Uh, you, you, uh, you accept feedback. You have the autonomy to change things when it's, when you need to change it. So it, do that kind of work that's engaging. I'll, I'll give you a quick story. Um, listeners know that, you know, I'm in my fifties. So in the early eighties, there was not as much uh, automation going on. And I was working my way through college at a lime stone plant where they mined lime and then they crushed it, processed it and put it into bags. Well, those bags then would go down a conveyor belt and then you had to mark the bag. Well, they, they did kind of a general bag, but then if they filled it with a certain product that they didn't use very often, they would just simply stamp a number on the bag, a three number, uh, three, three numbers, like 729. I still remember the numbers since, okay. since 1982. It's 729. I had to sit there one day with an ink pad and a stamp of 729 and put the ink on the stamp and stamp the bag when it came by about one every two or three seconds. And that's what I did for eight hours. I, oh my goodness. I felt like I was going mad with insanity. <laughs> and, I and a lot of people then when I, was, I tell them this story, they say, oh, I would have loved to do that. that. That sounds so easy. Well, to me, it was, it was worse than running a marathon. Uh-huh. So you have to do well, it wasn't things that are- wasn't ver- It wasn't any variety. It wasn't engaging. You probably didn't even have time to look up or, uh, you know, smile at somebody. I mean, you probably felt like you were in solitary confinement like a robot. You no, know, and I had no ability to give any feedback or change the process where I thought it would be better. Um, uh, you know, so it was, it wasn't engaging at all. So do things that are engaging or, or much better. Now the next point uh, Actually, Bruce, okay, I want to come back to something on that because the portion about having a sense of contribution, I think this really comes back to the go-giver. And in the go-giver, it talks about the principles of stratospheric success. And one of them really stands out that is really applicable here. It's that dollars follow value. So all of this then comes back to if I'm giving value into someone else's life and they're receiving value, that's where I'm going to not only have that sense of contribution and engagement, but where I'm going to make money as well. And so that's a huge part of and that comes back to the passion idea. It's not just about what I'm passionate about providing to someone, it's what they want to receive. And if I'm giving them something that they want to receive and they're receiving value from my transaction, then I'm going to be paid and I'm going to feel fulfilled because I'm giving them something that they found worthful, purposeful, full of worth and meaning in their life. And they found the the desire to pay me and they're going to value me as the provider of that. So I think that's a really big part of having work that's engaging and that sense of contribution. Absolutely. I just had a conversation before we started this podcast this morning with a business owner that I consult and, you know, he was saying, um, I, I suggested that he raise his membership to his particular um, business, which was a, a co-working space. 
And he said, oh, I don't want I don't want to raise it until I feel like people feel like there's enough value here to actually pay more. And so that's an example of dollars following value. Now, mm-hmm. I encouraged him. I said for more month or weekly meetings, I hear people say there is plenty of value to raise the rate. Um, and so you're exactly right. Dollars are going to follow wherever value is. That's great. And thanks for sharing that example. I think that um, helps us to have a guide then for, again, what is what is helping somebody else in what they want to receive? I mean, my husband has this hilarious examples. We're teaching our daughter how to um, to make money right now. And he reminds her that when the ice cream truck comes down the street and she hears the music that she wants to go out and she's very, very, very happy to give her dollar in trade for some ice cream because she valued that. And he said, what if they came down the street selling Brussels sprouts or broccoli? Would you be so mm-hmm. excited to run outside and give your dollar? even if they were really passionate about that broccoli or Brussels sprouts, and if they thought it was the best thing in the world. And she was like, well, no, of course not. So (laughs) so that idea that it doesn't really matter what we want to give, it matters what does the other person want to receive. Correct. And maybe she'll give a dime for broccoli, but not a whole dollar. Maybe. Or maybe she'll just try not to eat it at all. (laughs) So, So the next point, and I really like this, this point, because people think that if they just make more and more money, they're going to be happier and happier. But a study from Princeton University in the Ivy League calculated that once a person reaches $75,000 in annual income, more income doesn't actually make you happier. The study was based on a single earner that would would make about $83,000 today. So they even put uh, cost of living. They, they're saying that it was 75000 when the study was done. So that would be about $83,000 today. Mm-hmm. There's two points here is you should not be thinking that just making a lot more money will make you happy. And the other point that I'd like to bring out, because we have talked about this in other episodes, is when you are looking at retirement, Having a known amount, a set amount that you are confident is going to come in for you in retirement will also make, well, through statistical research, also makes a person happy. And that could be in form of guaranteed income, either from Social Security, uh, from an insurance annuity, or a cash-valued life insurance dividend stream. So once again, I think this proves that both of those things are correct. Don't chase money just for the sake of money. Think it's going to make you happy. And in whatever retirement you call retirement or whatever um, uh, situation you call retirement, that having guaranteed money coming in will also make you happier than not having guaranteed money coming in. I agree. And I mean, I would say on this, I think that in general, yes, higher income is going to be better because you have more means to provide for your needs for your own self-development, for the depth of experience, travel, whatever that's going to look like in your life, and have the ability to then expand your perspective and expand who you are. But at the same time, if you're chasing those dollars at the expense of doing fulfilling work, and maybe you have too great of an emphasis on that money, and you feel like, well, just making more money is going to make you happy, then you might end up being feeling one-dimensional or 
that you're not developed in other areas. And I, I really think back to the podcast we did with John and Missy Butcher about Lifebook on this. Mm-hmm. There's so many other areas of your life to develop as well that financial is one aspect that absolutely has positive ramifications in every other area if that is well developed. But we don't want to forego great family relationships and our health and developing your mind. I mean, those things are also extremely important. And I think that's why a focus just on making more money could be really limiting. Absolutely. And the next part I know is near and dear to both of our hearts, because I know you do a lot of things with your church and so on and so forth. And my Mm -hmm. wife and I are actually uh, involved in a variety of charities. It says, if you want to be happier, uh, evidence has found that helping others leads to life satisfaction. So people who volunteer are less depressed, they're healthier, while random acts of kindness make you make the giver happier. Um, according to a global survey, those who donate to a charity are just as satisfied with their lives as people who earn twice as much. I thought that was an that's fascinating. Yeah, it was an interesting thing, and I and I do know that the time and money that we give the charities, it does feel good. It feels like you're, you're accomplishing something and you're making people's lives better. I think what's interesting about that as well is that helping others is not just in charity. I mean, that's an element of doing good work as well, that it's truly benefiting and helping the lives of others. And that brings me to the quote that I'm sure we're probably all familiar with by Zig Ziglar that says, you will get all you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. And so just really, I think part of having that fulfilling career is finding a way that whether you're in a job or you're in a position where you own your own business, finding out how you can help more people, whether that's helping one person with more value or helping more people with the same value to really just impact their lives and have that influence, I think is a huge part of having a fulfilling career. Yes. And, uh, I think Zig is very, uh, very wise to say that Um, helping people get what they want is going to not only be fulfilling, but it's going to help you get what you want. So it's, it's a very wise statement. The next, the next thing about work life balance is the key. I don't necessarily, I'm not saying that work life balance is not the key, but I don't like to personally, I don't like to differentiate between work and life. And I know mm-hmm. I'm in a I'm in a little bit of a minority on this, but but if you could hear me out on this. So I think my personal life is is actually being affected by what I do for what people call work and I don't even call it work, I just call it my life. And I think my my work is being affected by what I do in my personal life. So I don't like this work-life balance where it says, okay, you work for this amount of time and then you stop working and then you start your personal life, <clears throat> excuse me, and then you do your personal life for a while and then you go back into work. I think if you just can see it as you're living your life and part of it is, is you adding value to people's lives and they pay you for it. That's part of your life. And then you have the part of the life that you are living where people, you're not adding uh, value or people pay you, just enjoying your friends, family, uh, co-workers, people at church, you know, whomever, people in your community. Then both of those have 
of value to making your entire life, you know, very meaningful. And I think, I mean, we could have a conversation about that for a couple of weekends, but I think, um, I think there's really a lot packed into that. I mean, I think there's something really valuable about having structured time, like Dan Sullivan talks about with the entrepreneurial time system. Yet at the same time, what I've found in my own life that almost there's, there's times when I'm just enjoying my life, whether it's I'm at a birthday party with my daughter or I'm at the park playing with her, or I'm just doing something that is completely non-work related. Sometimes the most spontaneous, powerful conversations come out of that and something that I have a new idea or a new relationship with somebody that I never would have expected just living my life. And so I think there is a lot of overlap when you're just living in a, a way that you are adding value to people's lives and you're enjoying yourself. Absolutely. So, you know, there's, there, I will pick up my phone sometimes at 8.30 at night and a client will be on the other end and they'll say, oh my goodness, goodness I didn't mean to bother you right now. And I say, well, you're not bothering me because if I thought it was a bother, I wouldn't even pick up the phone. Uh, mm -hmm. And then there's times when I'm, I'm out at work, what people would say traditional work, and I'm talking to one of the people that work in our operations department that does the applications. They do all the stuff that I don't particularly care to do. They follow up on things. And I just sit down in their office, and then we just talk about life. So mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying is I think you just got to look at this as I need some time to do both, but those things should not be necessarily separated by a timeline. And I think a lot of people separate things by a timeline because they don't enjoy what they do. They say, hey, after five o'clock, I'm finished. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And I think that's something really important to keep in perspective. Let's go on to number eight. So this is about finding variety by merging education, autonomy, and security. And I think this kind of goes back to a lot about what you were talking about. Um, it talks about not having mundane, monotonous work, like you had talked about with stamping those numbers on the bags of Lyme. Um, but then at the same time, this is having the ability to develop new skills or developing an existing skill set. And I think autonomy really comes down to this feeling that of contribution, that you're being trusted and you're valued as a person and as a member of a team. And when it comes to having stability and security, a lot of times entrepreneurs would say, well, we're not interested as much in the stability and security. And that's why we're entrepreneurs. We're willing to take on the risk. But I think really what we're doing is we're creating our own stability and security. We're just willing to go through the, the tunnel of risk on the way to that. And that by braving the uncertainty is almost creating a higher level of happiness because you've not just seen or accepted some other security and stability, but you've created it yourself. Yeah. And so when this gets down to there's, there's no satisfaction to do the same thing over and over and over for most, for <laughs> most individuals. I was, I was mm -hmm. talking to a, um, I'm a former teacher. I was talking to another former teacher about this the other day. Uh, she's actually an OBGYN now, so she's a doctor, but we both taught biology for years. And, hmm. you know, when you do biology, uh, there's certain terms or certain concepts that, and you have four freshman classes of biology and you will literally be in the third class and you will be doing the same kind of presentation lesson plan that you did the first two classes. And all of a sudden it hits you. 
did I already say that sentence in this class or was, or right. was that the class before? And, you know, then you don't want to say to the class, hey, did I bring this out already? I mean, you get into a trance. It's, uh-huh. it's very disconcerting. It's kind of like uh, when people drive on a highway and then, you know, they've gone 10 miles and they just realize, I don't remember looking at the highway one time. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's the same kind of lack of satisfaction that you get if you get put into a job or career or business where you just do the same thing over and over and over. And that's the and that's the challenge for owners, directors, managers of people to keep that kind of stuff fresh for people um, to get the most most out of them. And I think the best way to do that is to not is to not over um, explain what you need to do. Just say, hey, my example is, you know, you don't hire a, a landscaper and tell them how you're going to cut the grass and make it look nice. You just say, hey, I want my grass to be green. So why do you go into your, your job and give a person a job, like a customer service job, and say, I want you to do this. And when a person says this, I want you to do this. And when you want you to do this. And when you get this back, I want you to do this. And, and you just have the person do it the same way all the time. You need to give people the opportunity to make the, the uh, uh, changes into the system so that they- Yeah, to improve, improve the, system. the system. And that's what mm-hmm. entrepreneurs do all the time. Oh, absolutely. So these last two points here, work with people you like. Um, I'll point something out interesting here that if you as an entrepreneur are in that position to define and develop your own mission and your brand, then you're able to hire people that, that agree with and that mesh with that vision and that brand. And so having roles and responsibilities that they love and they enjoy doing is going to make them happy in their role. And you're going to feel more happy with them as well. Now, if you're in a job environment where you don't necessarily have as much control over the environment, then that's something that you might need to think about. Working with people that you enjoy and having those healthy relationships in the work environment is one of the things that really makes things most fulfilling. I mean, they say that people don't leave jobs, they leave the employer because usually they're leaving a person that they really just didn't like. Yeah, it also works the other way, Rachel. The 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 uh, business owner doesn't want to get rid of somebody because they think they're mm-hmm. too valuable. I have this conversation with some of the business owners that I do consulting work with. And they say, well, I can't get rid of my, that person. He, he makes the whole environment toxic. He, he treats people terrible, but he's my best salesman. And, and mm. I, and I, I use this line all the time. And if I use it on the podcast before I apologize, but I say cemeteries are filled with people that are irreplaceable. So <laughs> you have to, I don't think you've said that on the show before. Yeah. So you have to think about that. You can't say to yourself, oh, I can't replace that person because uh, they're not replaceable. You know, things are going to just crumble if they're not around. Well, people leave jobs all the time. People, unfortunately, die all the time. People retire all the time. And life goes on. Um, Mm -hmm. You have to ask yourself, what other damage are those people doing? by staying. And then if it's you, you have to say, how am I compromising my happiness, my integrity, my quality of life by staying in that particular situation? 
Oh, absolutely. And again, that comes down to you want a fulfilling life, not just a fulfilling job. And so let's make the whole part of your life contribute to that, which really goes into the last one, number nine, eliminate the negatives. So if you if you have a long commute, maybe you can think about working from home, or maybe there's long hours. Well, maybe you can be more productive and take more time off, or maybe there's unfair pay. Maybe you could demonstrate the value that you have and ask for what you're worth. Or maybe there's job insecurity. You're not sure that you are valued as a member of the team. Well, go where you're celebrated or create a culture of celebration. I mean, really, you don't want to be in an environment in any place of your life where you're subjected to negativity on a regular basis. And so find a way to minimize those negatives or eliminate them as much as possible. Yeah, the commute thing, I've been preaching this for 25 years to anybody that wants to, to listen. Uh, my ne- my nieces, my nephews, my friends, I think the quality of life is really improved when you live near whatever you deem as work, whether it's a, whether it's a business you own, whether it's uh, you work for somebody, a business owner, you work in a corporation, spending time in a car in traffic is, is very unproductive. And not, not, we all need helicopters, Bruce. Oh, we all need helicopters. It's, it, and, and people that are against um, uh, self-driving cars, I, I don't get it because part of our traffic problems are because of the errors of humans you know, stopping, starting and properly changing lanes improperly. It, it, it adds so much time to the drive time. So eliminating negatives and one of the biggest negatives is definitely community. Well, as we wrap up this fascinating article in our conversation, I came across this image that I'll make sure that we post in the um, show notes as well. And it's this idea of really having a a reason for being or a true purpose in your work. And this kind of combines a lot of the different areas that we've talked about. And basically there's these concentric circles, there's four of them, and you want to have the combination of all four areas working together in order to really have that sense of fulfillment and purpose and meaning at the center of your work. And that's doing what you love, which is the passion part. Also what the world needs, what you can be paid for and what you're good at. And the merger of all of that combines your passion, your life mission, your vocation, and your profession, and combines that into where you can really function from your highest purpose. And I really just love that because I think it combines the idea that we need to be giving value to what other people actually need and what they're willing to pay us for. It also adds the idea that if we're passionate about something, we're going to develop the skill to hopefully make it something that somebody is willing to pay for but it has to be something the world needs. And I think that might even be the best first question if you're trying to find a job that is going to be fulfilling for you, that's going to help you be happy and also make millions or be very successful. So As we wrap this up today, how can you use these nine steps to up-level your work environment today to make it more fulfilling and better for you and make you more able to give value to others? If you'd like to find out more about the three-step process that business owners use to achieve time and financial freedom without working harder or cutting back your lifestyle, book a strategy call with us today to find out that one thing that you should be doing next and how that fits in the bigger picture of your journey to time and money freedom. Go to 
themoneyadvantage.com to schedule your strategy session today. Thank you to you, our listeners. Thank you, Bruce, for being on the show with me today. Today's show notes and resources are going to be available for you at themoneyadvantage.com. And in closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.